you have your Bibles today, let's go together to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5, amen. Man, everyone looks so good here today, praise God, looking sharp, everyone's ready to go, amen, amen. Thank you, brother, I appreciate that, I think I can, I think I'll manage, praise God. Preachers like that sound in the background, you know, they like the... The, the piano back there. I appreciate Brother Noah. Noah's been doing incredible, by the way. Amen. He picked up the piano not even very long ago and just been committed to it. And so I wanted to recognize him, his hard work and effort. It's not an easy thing to do to learn an instrument, especially playing in the house of God, but he's been doing it well and appreciate him. Second Corinthians chapter 4. Let's begin reading at verse 5. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ, Jesus the Lord, and ourselves, your bondservants, for Jesus' sake. This is something that has to be drilled into every individual who ever desires to work in the kingdom of God, serve in the kingdom of God. You are not working, you're serving. When you go down to your office, whether your job in a startup or sales or engineering or law or whatever the field you're in, there you are getting paid, you're being compensated for your time, your skill. In the kingdom of God, it doesn't work like that. In the kingdom of God, you are a servant. You are there to serve his kingdom, his purpose, his work, his will. It's not about you. It's not about what you can do. It's not about you being recognized, but it's about him getting all the glory. Verse 6. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. It's a very oneness phrase there. We don't believe in three separate persons in God. There's only one God. And the one God is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. Verse 7 But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. That's such a powerful phrase. Let me say that again. Always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. That the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. 
My subject for this morning is simply this, treasure in earthen vessels. Treasure in earthen vessels. It was not too long ago in the middle of the 20th century that, a, as the story goes, a young shepherd boy in the northern part near the Dead Sea was throwing rocks. That's how the story goes. He was simply out with the sheep and with the animals, the cattle, and he was just kind of messing around and was tossing rocks, as kids tend to do. And as he took one rock, he threw it into the heart of a cave, and when he did, there was a sound that came out of the cave. It was a crash. It was almost as glass was breaking, and so he made his way up to see what the noise was, and when he got up there, he found a number of clay jars in this old cave in the hills of Qumran. These jars, as you might have been aware and been told about, were aptly named as the Dead Sea Scrolls. They were a number of different parchments and writings. Some came directly from the Old Testament. We have the book of Isaiah, a good part of the book of Isaiah, and what they call the Isaiah scroll. There was another scroll that uh, detailed how people lived during this time, or at least this group of Jews that would have been on the outskirts of society. More than likely, this group would have been called the Essenes. They, in their writings, they were just known as the community. And so they had a community of rules. But we, we know the Essenes, uh, not, un, unlike the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the Essenes would, would gather in the desert. And their, their idea was if we can just get outside of culture, we can wade this thing out. We don't have to be a part of the world. We, we can kind of just recluse away from the world and kind of let the world do what they want to do. And it should, I should probably note that their intention was right, but I think the method is wrong. I don't believe that God has called us to live outside uh, necessarily of the world, but he has called us to be different from the world. So we can't all move out into the desert and buy a compound. That's just weird. But what we can do is we can live inside of a culture that is anti-God and be a change agent for Christ. And that is what God has called us to do. But this group, they, they, they thought the only way or the best way was to kind of go outside of the culture. And more than likely, this is also the group that many have attached to uh, the sect of John the Baptist, because John the Baptist, although we don't know that for sure, but John the Baptist was much of a recluse. He was in the desert. He only came into the town to preach and to condemn everybody, <laughs> to tell them to change and get right, you know? And so you see this prophet speaking as a, as a reed in the wilderness, the Bible says. But what's interesting here is that uh, so much is interesting, and I, I gave some pictures. Actually, I should have probably went to the website. What's interesting is that the clay, the, the, the jars that they found them in the hills of Qumran, they, when they unraveled the scroll, and what was so amazing still to me is that how intact the parchment still was. It had been thousands of years, and weather and climate and animals and all sorts of different things that could have destroyed, and yet 
the parchment, the paper, the clarity of even the writings. You can actually uh, go on to uh, Google a few years ago, did a, uh, I say a few years, it's been quite a, quite a few years now, but they did a, uh, a project where they gave close-up, high-definition pictures of the actual scroll. And so even just going online, if you've never been able to see them or go to Israel or maybe even saw them, they, they, there was a number of times they would have them traveling through different states and you could actually go and see these ancient scrolls. And it was so amazing. And, and so when you actually look at them, you can see the detail and, and how even the, the very material has been preserved over time. And it's such an incredible thing to me. And, and when I think about the story of the Dead Sea Scrolls, I can't help but go back to this passage that we read today, treasures in earthen vessels. You see, because the Bible makes it clear that we all are in a possession, we are all in possession of a treasure. It's not you know, the clothes that you wear or the money that's in your bank account or even the house that you live in or, or the job that you have. No, 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 no. There's something much deeper than all of that. The treasure that you and I possess is the light of the gospel that Paul was talking about. The treasure that you and I have is the truth that Jesus Christ is Lord over all. The treasure that you and I have is that there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism. The treasure that you and I have is that there is one God and Father of all, who's above all, through all, and in us all. That is the treasure. I hope you understand what I'm saying this morning, that there is nothing more valuable to human beings There's nothing more valuable to human beings than knowing this one true living God. There's not a time on this earth, there's not enough books that you could read, there's not enough videos that you can watch and enough education that you can get that could ever replace the value and the treasure that God has given to us through Jesus Christ, through the word, through the gospel. It is the light shining in our heart. The very gospel, that is to say, the good news of Jesus Christ, the life, death, resurrection, and second coming of Christ is a treasure. It is something that you should lay hold of and embrace and keep close to yourself. It is something that you need to lock away and make sure that nothing gets in and corrupts. Well, I'm going to preach that for a little bit this morning because there's some people that think that uh, our belief system is just one of many belief systems. That it really doesn't matter where you go to church, or it doesn't matter what you believe, it doesn't matter what you think about God, it doesn't matter what you believe in, one faith is just as good as any other faith, friend, that is not the case. Jesus said, I am the way. He, he didn't say, I am one of many ways, he didn't say, I am a way. I am one way to live. There, there's a lot of ways where you can be happy in life, for instance. You know, we all, uh, Sister uh, Vias was talking about diversity. It's not a, not a bad thing, and we, we see diversity in our culture. There's a lot of different ways you can live. A lot of cultures have different ways of doing things. I've been uh, blessed to be able to travel to multiple con- countries and seeing different ways that people 
for instance, cook food and different foods that people eat and different stuff they wear, clothing they wear. It's always different. It always looks different. And there's a lot of different ways that you can live. And, and it's not wrong. Culture is a, a good thing. It's good to have those values as a family. And you come to America, there's a way that Americans do things. There's certain foods that Americans like to eat. And that's okay. All that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. You can live different ways in culture. But friend, when it comes down to who God is, when it comes down to what God expects of us, when it comes down to what he expects of us as a people and how we live morally and righteously, you can't just do it any old way. He's, the Bible, Jesus says it like this, that if you want to come after me, one must come in at, by the door. There, there is one sheepfold and one door to the sheepfold. And, and anybody that comes another way is a thief and a robber. There's only one way, one door. There's only one path to take. And I know in our culture, that's not a, a popular thing because we want to say that everybody's truth is their truth and you can believe what you want to believe and that's okay and you, know, you just do you like they say. But friend, if that were the case, then Jesus never would have come. He never would have died. He never would have went to Calvary. If it didn't matter what we believed, if it didn't matter, believe whatever you want. Why would he go through Calvary? Why would he die? Why would he sacrifice his very life, his very body on a cross if it didn't matter? Friend, I'm here to tell you today, it is the most important thing that you have, this thing called the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation to anyone, anyone. Anyone who believes. Oh, and I like it that it says anybody. <laughs> I like it that it says anybody. I told them to change that All Nations Sunday. That needs to be everybody as a somebody. That, that every person matters. That every soul matters. Every mind matters. God died for the entire world. He didn't just die for the Western world. He didn't just die for the Eastern world. He didn't just die for the white or the black or the Hispanic. He died for everybody. Everybody is somebody. This is why the Proverbs tells, I feel the Holy Ghost right there. This gospel is for everybody. Say it's for everybody. That's why we believe in diversity because the gospel is for everybody. We got to make sure that our church, uh, that every person feels welcome in our church. Mm. Doesn't matter what language they speak. Doesn't matter the color of their skin. Doesn't matter their culture. Everybody matters. Everybody is somebody. God, God died for everybody. And, and this must be a church for everybody. I've seen people say it before, yet you show up, there's one language spoken. I show up, there's one type of food served. I show up and there's one culture represented. Friend, that's not the church of God. And I got news for you. That's not what heaven's going to look like. You're not going to get to the black section, the white section, the Hispanic section, the Asian. There's not going to be different sections in heaven. No, friend. It's going to be one people serving one God. It's going to be one Lord, one Savior over everybody. Well, I just feel to stay there for a little bit because we got a problem in our world. It's a racism problem. Oh, 
And I know what the world tries to tell you, that somehow we can end racism by, by, by just, you know, let's all sit, have a kumbaya moment and let's do the education. Let's just learn. Friend, you know how you end racism? It's through righteousness. Racism is sin. Prejudice is sin. You don't do that through education. You can't fix sin through education and conversation. You can only do it by the power of Jesus Christ. You can only do it by having a relationship with Jesus Christ. What our world needs is not more education. What we need is an apostolic move of the Holy Spirit. What we need is a sovereign move of the power of God. You say, preacher, what are you talking about? What are you talking about racism for? I feel it in my spirit, so I'm going to talk about it. You say, oh, well, we're, we can't be racist because we're not white. My God. See, that's what, the, oh, I just, I feel it right now. I get, I'm honoring right now. That's what our culture says. But I, I don't know if you noticed, but I'm not white. I don't know if you noticed that. But I've seen more, oh, I'm going to get in trouble today. But I'm in my own pulpit, so you just do whatever you want, but... I've seen just as much, hear me, I've seen just as much racism from non-white people. See, racism doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't matter what color you are. Prejudice happens in every culture. And so what we have to have is a, a, a belief system that goes beyond our personal familial culture. And say, you know what, before I'm an American, before I'm this nationality or that nationality, I am an apostolic Pentecostal. My culture is wrapped up in my identity of Jesus Christ. And with Christ, the, the, the Bible, the, we, we used to sing that the, the, the floor, the, the altar is even. It's level at the foot of the cross. Meaning that when we all come down to the altar, there's no high, big me's and little you's, but we are all level. We all come at the same place. We are sinners in need of a Savior. We are all fallen. We're all broken. We're all hurting. We're all lost. We all need Jesus. The church has to be for everybody. If the church isn't for everybody, then it can't be for anybody. Someone say amen. amen. Someone say, I love my pastor. <laughs> Don't lie now. Proverbs 23, 23 said, by the truth. Huh. By the truth. So many people want something for free, but this, the proverb said, no, no, the truth is something you're going to have to pay for. Jesus did the work on Calvary, but now what does it look for you and I? We got to pick up that cross and follow after him. Proverbs said, buy the truth, sell it not. Meaning whatever you have to, whatever you have to give up, uh, whatever you have to exchange for this truth, it is worth it. The truth is worth it. Whatever price has to be paid, whether it's through friendships, through relationships, through a uh, sacrifice of your job, through whatever it is, but you got to buy the truth and sell it not. Jesus said the kingdom of God is like a treasure buried in the field. That when a man finds that treasure, he goes and sells everything that he has to do what? To purchase the field. 
Everything in life, everything you have, everything that you hold dear, nothing is more valuable than what God has given to us. The treasure, the treasure, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's, it's not just peace. It is peace, but it's also hope. It's also our future. I'm here to tell someone today, I, I feel it in my spirit, this thing is worth it. Some of you have been going back and forth. I don't know if this whole church thing is really for me. I don't know if I should really go all in on this thing. Friend, you might as well jump in. You will never have a better life than living for God. You will never be happier, more peaceful, have peace in your mind. All the anxiety is going to go when you give your life over to Jesus Christ and you say, God, not my will. Thy will be done. I'm telling you today, it's worth it. I'm telling you today, it is worth it. On my worst day, it's still worth it. On the days where I'm feeling down and out, the days where I can't seem to wrap my mind around the right direction, on the days where I just don't, I feel just lower than low, even on that day. I'm like that psalmist that said, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than dwell in the tents. In other words, he's saying, I would rather be a servant in the kingdom of God than he said to dwell in the tents, meaning to be royalty among the wicked. In other words, there's nothing in the kingdom of God, no matter how bad, no matter how my day is gone, my week, my month. You ever have those months? It's like, are you having a bad day? No, try month. It's like it just won't stop. It's one thing after another thing after another thing. Some, it's like, you know, I don't want, you know, it's like Job sometimes, you know, it's like as soon as a servant gets done telling about his cattle, someone shows up before he's even done speaking, starts talking about his kids. It's like just one thing after another, after another, even on the worst days, <laughs> I still have hope. On the worst day living for God, I would never trade it for anything. This truth is too valuable. What I have found is a treasure in a field. What I have found, it's changed my heart. It's changed my life. There's nothing that I would give in exchange for what God has given me. Say, preacher, do you really feel? I absolutely feel that way. There is no better life. Hear me, there's no better way of living. There, there is no, even if, even if you say, oh, this is all nonsense. I've never seen a miracle. I've never seen God heal anybody. You might not have seen it yet. You need to change your language. I haven't seen God heal me yet because God can do it. But even if God never heals my body again, even if God never does anything else for me again, he's already done so much for me. He's already done so much for me. Well, I'm telling you, I've got this treasure. God has been so good to me. And I don't know about you, but he deserves everything I have. He deserves everything I can give him. Oh, my God, my God, my God. It's more valuable. It's more valuable than gold. It's more valuable than silver. It's more valuable than everything in this world, whatever this world has to offer. I'm telling you the truth of Jesus Christ is more valuable than all of that. But I feel in my spirit today, some of you are struggling 
You're struggling with a take it or leave it mentality with God. You're struggling with, I'm not sure all this thing, this stuff is real. I, I don't really know if this is even worth my time. Stop and think about how much time we actually give to God, you know? A few hours on Sunday, maybe 90 minutes if you come on time. <laughs> maybe an hour during the week, and you're, you're wondering if it's not worth your time. Friend, I'm telling you, when you go all in with God, when you give him everything, he will never let you down. I said he will never let you down. He is my light and my salvation. He's my hope. He's my peace. He's my joy. Oh, he is my rock and my fortress. He is my everything. What are you preaching about? I'm preaching about this treasure in an earthen vessel. This treasure that we have in an earthen vessel. And yet, how awesome and how beautiful God is. <laughs> he has entrusted that gospel and that truth with us. Scripture said that we have this treasure, the light of, of the gospel of Jesus Christ shining in the face of God. We have this treasure in an earthen, an earthly vessel, pitcher, box, something that is physical. And can I tell you that that vessel that we have, the every vessel that we are, that is our body, that thing that God has given to us. And your body is a gift from God, by the way. Yes, it is. It should be treated as such. It's the reason we don't violate our bodies. We don't, we don't destroy or mutilate our bodies. There's a reason why we take care of our bodies. We don't defame or deface our body. We don't graffiti our bodies. It's about what I expected from some. That's why we hold that as a value system. We don't, we don't stab our bodies. We don't cut our bodies. Man, I'm just, I'm just all, I'm just, I'm over it today, aren't I? Somebody like, whoa now, preacher. Isn't it true? God has given us these vessels. And not just the vessel, but he has given us a treasure inside of our vessel. So we take care of that. We're charged with it. And even though our vessel is fragile, it's weak even. Yes, even unreliable. How many know to be unreliable? And as a matter of fact, I would go further at saying that everything that you and I don't like about the church or the people, the family, is because of this earthen vessel. Why? Because as an earthen vessel, we are, we are weak. We are frail. We're fragile. We make mistakes. We mess up. We fall short. We go left and we should go right. We say things when we should just stay quiet. Someone say amen to that. Why? Because we are earthen vessels. We got to understand and have grace with people and ourselves. We have to understand that nobody 
is perfect. Everybody is a sinner. We are all simply saved by grace. But yet God has entrusted us. He's given us this beautiful truth, this beautiful treasure, this beautiful gospel inside of this earthen vessel. <laughs> this thing that God has entrusted to us, he, he, he has given it to us even though we're weak, we're flawed, we, we, are, we, we are fragile, and, and we, because of that, we do not have the ability to control or change the treasure that God has given us. This makes some, some folks a little bit upset sometimes because we think that somehow we could write this thing a little bit better. Maybe, maybe we can make it a little bit easier to follow. After all, it is 2023. After all, we are more enlightened. After all, certainly by this time, this old book has to be archaic or irrelevant, or maybe there needs to be a second, third, or fourth, or tenth edition. But the problem is, is that the treasure is not of us, but it's of God. The treasure that we have inside of us is given to us. It wasn't earned. The, the, the problem is that it is God's gospel, not our gospel. And that's why you and I, we have been entrusted to keep this gospel. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4, the Bible says it like this. But as we have been approved by God, we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so speak, not as pleasing men, not as pleasing other people. So when, how we act, how we talk, it's not about making everybody else happy, it's about making God happy. How would our lives change if everything that we do in our life is about making God happy? I'm telling this church today, your call of God Every action, every word, everything that you think about and do should have one central focus, that is to make God happy. There should be one thing that drives every decision. There should be one thing that drives every action and every word. Does this please God? Is my life, is my heart, are my words, are my actions, are my everything that I do, is it pleasing to God? If not, then something has got to change. We, we cannot change it. It is, not, it is not our gospel to change. It is not our treasure to alter. It's not our truth to adjust. It's not our word to edit and revise. But it is God's truth and God's word and God's gospel. It is you and I. It's our responsibility. <laughs> it's our responsibility to keep that gospel to keep that treasure that God's given us, to protect, to use, to speak from it, and ultimately to please God who's given us this beautiful treasure, this beautiful gospel. It is, a, it is the treasure in an earthen vessel. But notice what he says, Paul speaking, not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. God who who tests God, who discerns God, who ensures that what's going on in our heart <laughs> is pleasing him. Church, we have to have a, a genuine revival of pleasing God. If every relationship you had, whether at work, school, 
no matter where you are, if you looked at that relationship through this lens of God, does this relationship please you? What friends would you get rid of? If, if you, if the conversations that you had with a loved one, with a brother, with a sister, with, with a family member, with a coworker, if that conversation, you look through that conversation with the lens of God, does this please you? When they start talking about things at work that you know you shouldn't be talking about, maybe a little bit off color, maybe uh, they're talking about someone, they're making fun of someone at their job or, God forbid, in the church, or they start to go in with their little gossip train. You know how it goes. goes down the road. And before you even know it, you're like in the conversation. How do I get out of this? If you look at every single conversation, and don't worry, I'm in the Holy Ghost right now, just through the lens of, God, is this pleasing to you? God, is, are you smiling at this? God, are you, are you okay with me talking like this about a brother, about a sister? God, and, and, and even, God, are you okay with me talking about this, about this, about my boss? Oh, that, that one just kind of, woo, sideways. Because who cares about the boss, right? Oh, no, 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 no. God cares. I said, God cares. Every action, every word, every thought. God, I need my heart, my mind to be pleasing yes. to you. God, I got to be right with you. Before you engage that conversation through text, through email, through, God, are you, is this, how do you feel about this conversation? How do you feel about this action? How, how do you feel about these people I'm getting ready to hang out with? How do, you, how do you feel about this in my life? Preacher, you really think God, God cares about everything in your life? And I have to have my entire life pleasing in the sight of God because my goal, my goal is to make sure that I'm right with him. I got to make sure I'm living right with him. I, I, my decisions that I make, the things I, I put my kids in, the things that I allow in my house, I got to make sure that it's pleasing in the sight of God. The things that are being discussed on the TV, on the video, on the podcast, and, and everything that you listen to, everything you watch, everything you partake in, God, is this pleasing in your sight. Why? Because he has entrusted us with this treasure. He's given us a treasure. He's, he, he has allowed us to be partakers of this gospel, that light that is shining through. I, my life, hear me, my life has to be worthy, worthy of the power that God has entrusted me with. God has given each and every one of us here a beautiful treasure and a beautiful truth, and he has entrusted it with you. And some of you are sitting here today, you're like, preacher, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm, my life is so messed up. God has called you. You're not here by accident. You're not here by happenstance, but God has brought you into this beautiful place. Why? Because he wants to give you something. He wants to give you a treasure. He wants to transform your heart, your life. He wants to transform your mind and your spirit and prepare for you. For what? For the light, the light right now inside of a person that doesn't have the Holy Ghost is darkness. That's why God said, the Bible says, he hath called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And when you get the Holy Ghost living on the inside, this is what this passage, by the way, is all about. It's all about Jesus living inside of us. 
Did you catch that in the text? It's all about the Holy Spirit, God himself, living inside of all of us. And the reason why you have to repent before you get the Holy Ghost Before you get the Holy Ghost, you have to ask God for repentance is you are clearing out all the sin, all the the shame, all that grime and filth that the world and life and sin has brought in. And you're saying, God, I I don't want to do any of that. I want to get all that out of my life. I want to get all that out of my heart. I want all that out of my spirit. And when you do that, and that's, by the way, all it takes. I said, that's all it takes. When you ask God to forgive you, that's all it takes you don't got to go through uh, 10 steps and a, a jump through a loop and over a wall. And you don't got to do any of that. You just have to find a place with God, you and God alone, no one else, and say, God, I am ready. I'm sorry for the way I've been living, and I'm ready for change. It's that easy. I said it's that easy. So many people, they try to make it out to be bigger than it has to be. Friend, repentance is about your heart. Repentance is about what you want. The only thing keeping you away from God is you. Oh, preacher, you don't know the demons that I face. Those demons don't have power over you. Those demons are subject to Jesus. Now, I know what you've seen on the television. I know what you've seen in the movies. They, they, they depict demons as these supernatural, powerful figures that creep along walls and all this different crazy stuff. And some of that's true, you know, because people can act weird when they get possessed by a demon. But what's not true is how they make it out to be this giant struggle. <laughs> that somehow you got to get your sword and you got to get the angels, everyone's going. That's Hollywood, man. That's not real life. In real life, those demons are so weak and pathetic In reality, those demons, when you walk into the room and you are filled, hear me, you are filled with the power of God, those demons are shaking. Those demons know, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I have been, hear me right now, I have been to places multiple times where I have felt the demonic forces. And I've been, I've been to places, I'll, I'll never forget, there was this one time I walked into a restaurant, it was a while back now, I walked into a restaurant and I felt something just staring at me. And it was, a, I looked over and there was a man, I could tell he was demon possessed, I could tell and I could feel it in my spirit, he was just glaring at me. And I thought to myself, I was a young man at the time, I still am a young man, but I was younger <laughs> at the time, and I thought, I'm going to go cast that demon out, you know. But then I thought better, say, ah, oh, no, forget it, I'm just getting a burger, I don't care. And so I went, and here's the bottom line. You encounter people every single day that have demons. You say, why didn't you go cast it out? Because the only way you can cast out a demon is that person wants it to go. That's it. You go over there, cast them out, all he's going to do is come back. As a matter of fact, I have met people, there might, I, God forbid there's any in this church, I haven't met them here, but I have worked with individuals that know they have demons inside of them, but they don't want them to leave. Because not every demon shows up with the Hollywood form of the, I don't know, one in the coffee shop, you know, it's Halloween right now, one in the coffee shop, there's big old demon, look, like, oh my goodness, like, it was like right there, it's like, what's going on, I hate Halloween, <laughs> you know, it's like, they don't always look, they don't look like that, you know, 
They're not going to try to freak you out. No, no, many times, you know what they come? I, I'm not, I wasn't planning on being here today, but I'm here right now. Many times they come into your life speaking things that you want to hear, things that you almost agree with. They'll sound like, oh, you don't, you don't need to worry about that. Who cares? It's just one time. It's one drink. It's not going to be a big deal. You're not an alcoholic. You don't drink that much. Or it'll sound like, man, you really are fat. You, you just are disgusting. You need to quit eating so much, yet you're so thin. I dealt with one girl. All she could hear was voices the whole time. It was destroying her body. It wasn't just, wasn't just a, a mental issue. There was demonic issues going on. Oh, you're just worthless. No one even likes you anyway. Who cares? Just, just leave your family. What does it matter? You're not a good dad. You're not a good mom. These are the voices. And sometimes you can make the mistake of thinking, oh, it's just me. I'm just having a bad day. Or No, 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 friend. The tempter, the accuser of the brethren. No, he gets in and tries to lie. And the thing about the devil and the thing about demonic forces is everything they say is a lie. Everything they say is a lie. Even in the Bible, you start reading about it, it's, it's a lie. And when you go into a certain place, we, we read over and over in the scripture, this, the, the demonic forces, they, they were active. You know when de- demonic forces became active? You ever notice you don't read about much of demonic forces in the Old Testament? You only start reading about them when Jesus shows up. Because when Jesus shows up, he's bringing the kingdom of God with him. And when he was bringing the kingdom of God with him, he was loosing people from bondage and sin and all the destruction that demons come. That's the reason, by the way, Jesus says, when you pray, pray this way. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. When you begin to pray God's kingdom come, you are literally praying the power and presence of God in heaven down to earth. It's the reason why you see all this demonic activity. And so when we are being the people that God has called us to be, we don't have to fear demons. We don't have to fear any devil. We don't have to fear any spirit because God has given us authority over all of those things. The only thing stopping you, hear me, the only thing stopping you from getting right with God, making it right with God, making a change in your life, it's you. Take your finger and point at yourself. Say, it's me. It's me. It starts and stops right here. God has something special for you. God has a treasure for you. God is approving you. God wants to have a relation with you, but it's up to you. And as soon as you make up your mind, it's that easy. As soon as you make up your mind, God, I am ready for a change. I'm ready for things to be different. God, I'm sorry for the way that I've been living. I'm sorry for the things that I've been doing. God is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. 
us. He makes a way out of no way. He can make anybody righteous. It doesn't matter where you come from. He can purify your mind, your heart, your spirit. If you're here today and you know you need God, I want you to lift your hands in the air as high as you can get them and say, God, I need you today. God, I need your touch. God, I need your spirit. God, I need you to move on me. I need you to touch me today. Oh, in the name of Jesus. Come on, lift your voice right now. If you need forgiveness, if you're ready for a change in your life, I just want you to, in your own way, close your eyes, lift your hands, and tell them, God, I need you. God, I need you. God, I need you. God, I'm ready for change. God, I'm ready to be different. God, I'm ready for your will to be done. <laughs> I'm almost done. Give me a few more minutes here. I know I've, I don't know how long I've gone, but the Holy Ghost, oh, I feel it in my spirit. The Holy Ghost itself, God gives us. It's not just for everybody. But when it, it is for everybody. It's not just that. It's God's design. It's God's design of grace and mercy so that you and I don't think somehow we've earned or we deserve what he's given to us. Why would he trust us with such a treasure? Why would he give someone that's so vulnerable and so, someone that's so broken? I, and, and you know as much as I do. When I counsel with people, I, 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 my, my heart, I understand. I get where you're at. They, sometimes they think, well, the pastor is going to, oh, kick us out, sit us down, do all this other stuff. Hey, we are earthen vessels. We're broken individuals. We are flawed. We're sinners in need of a Savior. We're, we're saved by grace. No one is perfect. And God, in his way, he's given us the Holy Ghost and given us the ability to have all this power, to, to have that power of the gospel living inside of us. But why? It's almost David, as he said in, I believe it was Psalm 8, he said, what is man that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man that thou visit? What is man that thou art mindful? For he hath made him a little lower than the angels and hath crowned him with glory and honor. But he asked that question, what is man that thou art mindful of? Like, what, 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 are, what are we that you would even consider us worthy of this treasure? This is God's grace. Why? Because he knows that by giving a frail, fragile, inadequate, vulnerable vessel the treasure of the gospel, that you and I will never be able to take any glory from the victory. Ephesians chapter 2, 8 through 10, the Bible says like this, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. I'm so thankful that the Holy Ghost is a gift. I'm so thankful that our salvation is a gift. 
I'm so thankful that I don't have to earn this thing, but God is willing to freely give it. I'm so thankful that it's not about the color or the height or how I look or what I do. It's not about any of that, but it's the free gift of God. Some of you need to get that as a revelation. God has given you salvation as a gift, not because you were good enough. Not because you didn't, you, you, you met the threshold and you qualified. No, no, no. He loved you before you even knew who he was. He loved you. Before you even had an idea of God's goodness and his mercy, he loved you. Before you even knew what sin was, he loved you. Oh, God, how could you love me? I'm such a sinner. Before you even knew what sin was, he loved you. Even while you were yet in sin, he loved you. It's a gift that God gives. And then he goes on. Not of works. Not, not what you do. Not, you're not saved by your actions or saved by the goodness of your merit. No, no, no. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. Why did God give us this beautiful treasure? So that in the end, when we all get to heaven, and what a day of rejoicing that'll be, when we all get to heaven, <laughs> there's not going to be one person that, is able, that will be able to say that they got there on their own. No, 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 no. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. It is the grace of God that he has given us this treasure. It is the grace of God that he has entrusted us with this beautiful gospel. It is the grace of God that he, he has taken away this, this ability for people to somehow claim right or claim ownership. The only thing I have right to is that I'm a child of God. The only thing that I have right to is what Christ did for me on Calvary. The only thing that I have right to is that God is good and I am blessed. And God will always get the glory. What did it say in verse 7? Go back to verse 7 if you would. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. That God should be glorified. And not us. Friend, you are in a church. You are in a room full of people. And none of us get the glory. There's nobody here. I'm standing on a stage talking to you. But behind me, there's a cross. There's only one that gets the glory for anything in this life. And his name is Jesus. It's to God that receives all glory, all honor, all praise, all adoration. Us, we just got to get out of the way because it's all about him. If you believe that, why don't you stand to your feet right now? Why don't you lift up your voice? Why don't you lift up praise to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Jesus, we love you. Jesus, it's all about you. Jesus, you're the first. You're the last. You are everything. You are alpha. You are omega. You are beginning and end. 
Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Now let me just give you another word of encouragement. Because I only got through about half of my message today. But I feel I got to say this right now. It's no mistake that he says, he goes on to say that we have this treasure. We, we have been blessed with this treasure in earthen vessels. But then he said this, we are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, yes, but not forsaken. Struck down, you ever been there? But you're not destroyed. <laughs> Why? How? Why? Always caring about in the body. Always caring about inside of us. This is the Holy Ghost. The dying. <laughs> you see it there? The dying of the Lord Jesus. The treasure that God has given us. The power that God has given us through the Holy Ghost means that you can go through anything. Perplexed, not in despair. Pressed on every side, yet not crushed. Struck down, but not to. You might fall. You might be pressed. You might be pushed. You might be going through seasons of your life. Your marriage might be stretched to its breaking point. Your finances might be being buried under the weight of life. But even through all of that, in that weak vessel... In that fragile vessel contains something that cannot be destroyed, that cannot be overwhelmed, that cannot be stretched beyond measure. It's the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It means no matter what I go through, hear me today, no matter what my marriage goes through, no matter what your finances go through, no matter what your mind is suffering from, you have something inside that's stronger than anything. Oh, yes. I have a treasure. Somebody say, I got a treasure. I might be a broken vessel. I might be a vulnerable vessel. I might even be a weak vessel, but I've got something inside of me called the blood of Jesus Christ. And it is the power. I said it's the power of God <laughs> unto salvation. That means I'm going to go through life. I'm going to go through situations. I'm going to go through trial, sickness, famine, whatever I'm going through. But I've got a treasure. I've got a treasure that's going to sustain. No matter what life has for you today, you have a treasure. I said it doesn't matter what's going on in your marriage. You have a treasure. It doesn't matter what's going on in your relationships. You got a treasure. It doesn't matter what's going on with your children. You got a treasure. It doesn't matter what's going on in your finances. You've got a treasure. You're going to be pressed, but it can't crush you. You might be struck down, but it's not going to destroy you. Because God, if you believe that, I want you to lift your hands right now. Lift your voices. Begin to worship God.
You know what? I want to sing a song. I don't, I, they don't like it when I do this, but they don't like it when I do this, but I want to sing a song. I don't even know what song it is. But when I was, when I was preparing, God put that song, put the words of the song in my heart. Song said, the same power that crushed the enemy. The same power that crushed the enemy. Then the song says, that same power lives inside of me. Oh yeah, the same power uh, that Jesus took to the cross. Uh, he defeated death in the grave. The same power that Acts Peter preached uh, said it was impossible for death to keep him. The same power. It lives inside of you and it lives inside of me. And I'm here to tell you today, ha, he's the same God, same power, same Holy Ghost. If you need it, I said if you need it, you can get it today. As a matter of fact, I just believe God wants to fill someone with the Holy Ghost today. If you're here today, if you have the Holy Ghost, go ahead and just wave at me right now. If you have it, wave it, wave, wave. If you have the Holy Ghost, wave at me right now. Now, if you do not have the Holy Ghost, this is what I want you to do. All of you that have the Holy Ghost, I want you to turn to your neighbor and ask him. Ask him, say, hey, do you have the Holy Ghost? Go ahead and ask him right now. Ask him. Say, hey, do you have the Holy Ghost? Now, if they told you no, I want you to ask him. Say, hey, do you want the Holy Ghost? Ask them again. Go ahead and ask them right now. Now, if they told you yes, I want you to bring them down to the front right now. I want you to bring them down to the front if they need the Holy Ghost. And if you're here today and you know that you need a touch from God, come on down. There's time. There's time. Come on down. Come on down. You need the Holy Ghost? Come on down. In Jesus' name. I'm here to tell you this power's for you. This power's for you. In Jesus, you to be encouraged. Uh, you're going through a trial, a uh, situation. I'm here to tell you the same power that lived in Jesus Christ uh, is here today. We're going to worship. We're going to pray. If you need the Holy Ghost down here, God's going to fill you with the gift of the Holy Ghost today. Let me tell you how to do it. And this goes for every single person down here. Whenever you need God in your life, this is how you do it. The number one thing you have to do is you have to repent. You can't get the Holy Ghost without repenting. You can't please God without repenting. Repentance says, God, I am sorry for any sins and all the sin I've committed. God, I'm sorry for the way that I've been living. God, I'm sorry for the thoughts I've been having, the words I've been speaking, the things I've been doing. God, I'm asking for forgiveness. And the moment that you do that, the Bible says those sins are gone. As far away as the east is, from the west, they're gone. He says, that's all I have to do, that's all you have to do. You gotta repent. And every single day we do it. Every day we clean our hearts out. Every day we say, God, I need to be right with you. God, I gotta please you. And that's the first step. Then the next thing that we do, once we do that, we begin to worship God, we begin to praise God. And the Bible makes it clear that when you praise and worship God, you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And what it's gonna sound like is that your words will begin to change. Some of you have been sitting in our service right now. You've been hearing. Hear, give me your attention for a moment. You've been hearing people speak with tongues. You've been hearing this weird language that people are talking like, what is that? 
I know that's the gift of the Holy Ghost. That is a sign that the Holy Ghost is living inside of you. God gives us the sign. He says they all began to speak in other tongues. This is a language that you don't speak. If your first language is Spanish, you're not going to speak Spanish. If it's English, you're not going to speak English. If it's Mandarin, you're not going to speak Mandarin. It's going to be something completely different that you don't even understand. And that is a sign that the Holy Ghost is living inside of you. You say, why do you believe that? Because in the book of Acts chapter 2, that's the way they got it in the Bible. We believe the same thing they believe in the Bible. So this is what we're going to do right now. If you want the Holy Ghost, you come down here and say, I want the Holy Ghost. And some of you need to be refilled with the Holy Ghost. And you're down here. I'm happy to see that. We're all going to repent together. The first thing we're going to do, we're going to be in the pray. We're going to ask God to forgive us our sins. I'm going to repent. Everybody in the back's going to repent. On the platform, they're going to, everybody in the room, we're going to ask God for repentance. We're going to say, God, we need you to forgive us our sins. And when we do that, once you're done, we're going to begin to worship God. And when you begin to worship God, I want you to lift your head, lift your hands, and just begin to honor him and praise him with whatever words want to come out of your mouth. And God is going to fill some people with the gift of the Holy Ghost today. Right now, everybody, I want you to close your eyes in the room. We're going to repent all the way back in the sound, to the media, to the platform, everybody in the room. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I'm asking for forgiveness uh, of every sin in my heart, every sin in my mind, every sin in my words, every sin I've thought about. God, I pray that you would forgive me. God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for thinking that way, for acting that way. God, but I want real change. God, I need real change in my life. God, I'm sorry for the way I've acted. Please forgive me. God, I want to be washed by your blood. I want to be washed by your spirit. I want to be right with you. I want to please you, God, more than anything else. God, I want to please you in the name of Jesus. Now, once you've asked for repentance, I want you to begin to lift your hands and lift your face and lift your voice. And I want you to begin to worship God all together. If you're praying with someone right now, I want you to begin to pray with someone that God's going to help them receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. If you're full of the Holy Ghost and you know how to pray, find someone right now praying for the Holy Ghost. Go to them. Let's believe in faith that God is going to fill them with the Holy Ghost. Come on. Find someone. Find someone. Find someone. Let's worship. Come on, God's here. Find someone to pray with right now. 